This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Hi, I'm Steve Sharetta, Senior Managing Editor at Knowledge at Wharton, and I'd like to welcome Sergei Nedesin to this podcast today. He's a Wharton Professor of Operations, Information, and Decision, and he's written an interesting piece of research regarding carbon taxes and the link between them and renewables. So, Sergey, could you give us a brief overview of what this paper is about? Uh, sure. Um, so, uh, the idea of the paper is really very simple. Um, when uh, when you look at all kinds of uh, solutions or uh, approaches that are uh, offered to increase uh, generation of electricity through renewable um, energy sources like solar, you know, m- maybe uh, wind and, and so on, uh, one of the solutions which is offered is uh, taxing carbon. Um, so essentially, you know, taxing those um, energy sources that emit uh, greenhouse gases. So and if you tax fossil fuels more, you're likely to encourage more renewables. That's what you would think. Yes. Yeah, and that's what kind of the conventional wisdom uh, says. Um, and uh, this is not quite what we found in the paper. Um, and there is a subtle uh, subtle reason behind it. Uh, the reason is, is the following. Um, when you try to rely extensively on renewable energy sources, let's say solar, for, for instance, uh, the problem with pretty much all renewable energy sources is that they're intermittent. That is to say, the sun doesn't shine at night. And if you are to rely exclusively on solar energy, uh, you will actually be in a lot of trouble because uh, most of the consumption of electricity happens just before sun comes up or just after sun goes down when there is no solar electricity to begin with. So, so that's the problem. So what do you do in this case? In this case, there is a grid operator who has to balance the grid. And the grid operator uh, would love to use renewable energy because the marginal cost of it is is zero, right? So the, the sun doesn't really cost you anything. Um, so when uh, when you want to balance supply with demand, you have to bring online some kind of a, a energy source which can be ramped up and ramped down very quickly. Unfortunately, the only reasonable way to do it is to use uh, heavily emitting energy sources like like gas, fire turbines, or coal. Um, and, and gas turbines are really very, very flexible. You can ramp them up, you can ramp them down. Uh, but pretty much for every uh, megawatt hour that you would generate using solar, you need a backup. Okay, so since you need this backup, um, you have to have it somewhere in reserve, and sometimes you'll bring it online, sometimes you power it down. When you use it like that, uh, it's actually it actually emits a lot of carbon. Um, and so uh, the more solar you're gonna use, the more backup you're gonna use, and if you're gonna tax carbon, you might actually end up having more of those backup energy sources which are heavily emitting. So that's the kind of the gist of the paper. Okay. So, um, so what are the implications for policy if if one wanted to increase the number of renewables and reduce the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that we're doing? Um, and even though a lot of people out there think that the best way to do that is to tax carbon, and you're finding maybe not so much. What what alternatives are out there? 
So there are a couple of things you can do. Um, one uh, thing you can do is uh, deal with intermittency. Um, so, so how can you do it? Of course, not much you can do with the sun and, and, and the wind. You cannot change that. Uh, but what you can try to do is, uh, for example, think about storage technologies. And currently, storage technologies are nowhere at the industrial scale. There are lots of prototypes and you know ideas. Um, some people are talking about, for example, pumping water up the hill and then letting it flow down. You know, when you need electricity, mm -hmm. um, or you can push the train up the hill and then let it roll. You mm -hmm. know. Uh, but really, the most realistic one that we have right now is battery-based storage. And, and Tesla is trying to bring it to the industrial scale, although, of course, we are nowhere close yet. Because that's the whole problem. If you could store this electrical energy during mm -hmm. the day and release it during the night, then in combination with solar technology, you would be fine, right? When you, when you say Tesla's trying to do it at an industrial scale, does that mean like big batteries or is it this idea where each home has its own battery that can get it through the night let's say it's a combination of things so um uh, of course right now uh, it's not implemented but another idea is to use electrical vehicles to store uh, electricity and maybe give it back uh, when you need it right so imagine your car is parked at, in your garage and you could remotely control the battery and you could charge it when electricity is is plentiful and then give it back uh, when there is a shortage right so you can do even things like that but yeah at the very least maybe at the at the household level mm -hmm. but ideally you would want to coordinate it and and allow generator of electricity like wind or solar uh, to also invest in storage and most importantly i think you need to provide some kind of incentive to electricity generators to be less intermittent mm -hmm. and that currently uh, we don't see it at all almost i mean i i, I could name maybe one case. When you say to be less intermittent, what does So that basically mean? to say, I'm going to pay you more for electricity if you can give me stable electricity, if mm -hmm. you can give me, you know, not nothing during the day and, and something during night or vice versa, but some kind of a stability. If you can say, you know, plus or minus 10%, mm -hmm. I guarantee, right? Mm -hmm. And what this would lead to um, is the following. I think generators, ele ele electricity generators, uh, currently they don't really worry about intermittency. Uh, they say, look, when I have electricity, I just give it to the grid and operator pays me. Mm -hmm. right? uh, but if you incentivize them to be less intermittent, uh, they would start thinking about pulling different sources of electricity together. Let's say I have a hill, you know, two sides, wind might be blowing on one versus the other. Uh, if I don't have incentive, I just build turbines on one side. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just more geographically dense for me, maybe a little cheaper. But if I were incentivized uh, to be less intermittent, I would maybe build on both sides. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I would build solar and wind, and they are not that correlated, mm -hmm. you know, sun and, and wind. So uh, I would be less intermittent. And currently this, this is just not happening. Uh, the the idea of uh, of a household using its electric car or maybe some other battery to uh, store during the day and to be used at night does do those batteries have enough capacity to do that? It seems like a house uses a lot of electricity if you think of air conditioning and, and, and all the rest of it. Are those batteries anywhere near being able to do something like that? No, no. Currently, currently no. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, this is not industrial scale right now. Uh, and uh, more importantly, you have to ask a question. 
uh, of producing batteries, it's a very dirty process mm -hmm. environmentally, right? Yes. So it's not entirely clear to me that mm -hmm. this would be an uh, environmentally friendly solution mm -hmm. because you need all these rare earth metals and mm -hmm. so on. And, and again, they are not renewable, right? Right. Um, so you run into another kind of problem, right? Uh, which is why uh, we talked about storage a little bit, but the more immediate solution would be this kind of a pooling of capacity mm -hmm. and using different energy sources together, renewable energy sources, sources to reduce this intermittency, mm -hmm. right? That, I think, is a more kind of a short-term solution. So you reduce the intermittency, but you're still going to have to have some kind of fossil fuel, probably gas because it's more flexible, to uh, help with those periods where you, you can't quite cover what's going absolutely, on. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's the problem with uh, balancing electrical greed, right? So mm -hmm. you cannot have a situation where demand exceeds supply, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you end, end up in a situation like we had a blackout, famous blackout in uh, Canada and, uh, mm -hmm. and the United States, right? Um, so uh, the grid operator has to work really hard to kind of find these energy sources. Otherwise, you have to start selectively mm -hmm. shutting down right. uh, this, the, you know, people, people who consume a lot of electricity. Nobody wants that. Unless we have a worldwide grid because the sun's always shining someplace, right? That's right. That's right. So, you know, that's what uh, very often happens. Uh, grid operator basically borrows uh, electricity from somewhere, from the neighboring region, for mm -hmm. example. Um, and and you can do it in a smart way. So, mm -hmm. for example, you have three hours difference between eastern United States, western United States. So the uh, high consumption period is a little staggered. Mm -hmm. So you could actually play with that and say, hey, you know, we need a lot of electricity on the east coast, now on the west coast, mm -hmm. right? So you can do things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, you're right. You, you cannot basically completely mm -hmm. get rid of this mm -hmm. kind of a gas-fired turbines mm -hmm. because they're just so flexible. Mm -hmm. they're, they're so nice. Were, did the conclusions that you came to surprise you because they were counterintuitive in a way, right? Uh, yes. Um, we are not aware of any um, other work at the time. And in this paper took some time to write and publish, but um, I really have not seen any um, other articles uh, pointing at this particularity of renewable energy sources that mm -hmm. they're intermittent. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And I have never seen arguments, there are many arguments against carbon taxes, but I've never seen an argument that, hey, you know, carbon taxes are not going to work because of intermittency. Mm -hmm. right? Um, I, uh, I I was speaking uh, this month with uh, three offices of uh, three U.S. senators' offices about this issue, and they mentioned that there was something somewhere in some papers. There is some discussion, very very recent, of this intermittency problem, but mm -hmm. I'm yet to find any other mm -hmm. references. So mm -hmm. yeah, to us it was a bit surprising. Okay, um, and I know you've touched on this, but can you can you go into a little more detail about what the practical implications are? Mm -hmm. of this research? Um, so in the paper, we looked at um, several ways to uh, stimulate uh, investment into renewable energy sources. Uh, one widely known one is uh, basically feed-in tariffs, which is to say you tell, um, um, you tell the generator of renewable energy that you're going to pay a fixed tariff for electricity for the next 20 years, for example. Right? And this is something that is extensively used in Europe. 
Um, and in the paper, we basically show that this is this is not bad. This is not a bad approach. But again, because of intermittency, um, it's not going to work as well um, as dealing with intermittency directly. Mm -hmm. And so from a practical standpoint, we argued that you have to uh, somehow provide incentive to electricity generators to reduce uh, intermittency. Uh, probably by the means of pooling different mm-hmm. um, energy sources from different technologies, probably mm-hmm. uh, that are not correlated strongly with each other, right? So if you pull together kind of a two solar suppliers, that's not going to help you much. Mm-hmm. But maybe wind, wave, solar. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there may be actually more waves at night and less solar at night. So there, I can hydroelectric, see, yeah, hydroelectric, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, so that's kind of a short-term implications that you have to provide those kinds of incentives. Mm-hmm. And the longer term is thinking about um, storage technologies mm-hmm. because um, it, it's interesting. You can actually make money nowadays um, using storage uh, because some sometimes uh, supply of electricity greatly exceeds demand. And for uh, brief moments of time, there are negative prices for electricity. You can observe them in the market. That is, you know, the, the regulator, the operator of the grid is begging you to take electricity and pays you to take you wow. to take it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's bizarre. That mm-hmm. should not be happening in right. theory, right? So yeah. if you have uh, some kind of industrial size energy uh, storage technology, you can actually make a lot of money during those uh, time periods, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so you can basically buy energy for almost nothing and then give it back when the price is particularly high, mm-hmm. when demand greatly exceeds the supply. Right? So are there any technologies? Now, I, two things that struck me as interesting. One is this idea of pumping water up during the day with solar power. And that's like creating a natural waterfall, right? Is there real potential with that? Um, hard to say. So there are a few of those things, but they're all at the kind of a prototyping stage, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think a part of the reason is that there has never been this kind of a recognition that uh, you need storage uh, with renewable energy sources. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and the more renewable energy sources you have, mm-hmm. so imagine a situation where half of your um, energy needs are renewable which are intermittent, go in and out. So um, then you have a huge demand for storage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in this case, uh, you would think companies would spend more money on research into mm-hmm. uh, energy storage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't think enough money is spent mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Tesla is developing um, energy storage in batteries, but other than that, everything mm-hmm. else is in the prototype stage. As far and as what I about know. this... Uh is there a huge battery being built for South Africa by Tesla? Is there? Uh, th- there was some project out there I think where Australia right? uh, was it Australia? I th- okay, I think it's Australia. Yeah, yeah, like for a whole city or something, which I believe was very expensive right. to create. But of course, the first one's going to be more than this, the tenth one. One hopes, right? Do, do you know much about that one? Uh, uh, I, I don't know details of uh-huh. where we are in in uh-huh. that project. Yeah, and and of course, but it has to start somewhere. Like that's an yeah, idea. It has to start somewhere, rolling. and and the problem is um, the the uh, prices for uh, batteries for storage they keep falling and mm-hmm. once Tesla starts production in a, uh, in its huge factory mm-hmm. it's going to fall even further and then one year once they get some experience it's going to fall even further so mm-hmm. you could see how people are hesitant to invest now when mm-hmm. when cost of storage is high mm-hmm. right 
um, which is normal with, with new technology. So somebody is going to lead the way and mm -hmm. probably it's going to be Tesla. Mm -hmm. Okay. What else, what else should we know about this paper that we haven't covered? Um, so uh, one aspect that we talked about in the paper is, of course, this intermittency. Another one that uh, we studied in the paper is uh, deregulation. And um, and what we find, and deregulation, this, this means that you know, the company that generates electricity is not the same as a grid operator. And, you know, one company is going to be investing in renewable energy sources. Another one is going to be investing into gas-fired turbines. Yet another one is, is in coal and so on. Um, and deregulation happened in in U.S. market, um, and there are some benefits of deregulation. But when it comes to renewable energy sources, what we find is that deregulation actually amplifies this problem with intermittency. So, you know, if every even if everything was perfectly integrated, there was one government running everything, you would still have this issue that you need backup generation or, um, to, to deal with renewables. But when uh, industry is deregulated, um, actually the issue is amplified. So um, there's going to be more underinvestment kind of in renewable energy sources uh, under uh, competitions and under vertical integration. So that's kind of another thing that we find. Uh, that we find it's kind why, of why is that? Why does that happen? Um, it's um, uh, it, it's 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 a little uh, more technical to to explain. So uh, basically, it's because of the way electricity is priced in in the market. Um, and and what tends to happen when demand greatly exceeds supply then prices for electricity is high. Um, imagine uh, there is a grid operator who sits there and he can use uh, hydroelectricity, hydropower, he can use solar, he can use nuclear and so on. What tends to happen, first, um, the grid operator uses um, renewable energy sources because they have zero marginal cost, right? So why not? That, that's, that's the optimal mm -hmm. thing to do. Uh, but this is when prices are the lowest. So mm -hmm. the first kind of a part of demand is covered by renewable energy mm -hmm. sources. And as a result, if you're a generator uh, who uses renewable energy, you don't get such a high price for your electricity. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when demand is huge um, and this kind of a backup generators are brought online, price for electricity is high. And as a result, uh, economically, you know, the person who runs this kind of a backup generation uh, benefits the most, mm -hmm. even though he's going to be taxed the most as well, mm -hmm. you know, on on the, on the carbon. But the prices are also very high. Mm -hmm. So it turns out that under this kind of a, a system, which was designed to accommodate all these competing suppliers of electricity, you might actually mm -hmm. overinvest into non-renewable energy mm -hmm. sources. So this is probably as simple as I can explain it. <laughs> okay. So uh, is there a solution for that problem? <laughs> um, well, uh, so one solution would be feed-in tariffs, right? Mm -hmm. So to, to say, look, we are not going to be uh, uh, we are not going to be relying on the price which is set on a kind of a daily or even by minute, right? Mm -hmm. So in the market, it's it demand matched with supply by minute, and prices change all the time. Um, but 
if you give feed-in tariffs to uh, renewable energy generators, that solves this problem a little bit. But you still and fee- explain feed-in tariffs, if you would. Fee- so feed-in tariffs again uh, is is a fixed tariff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you basically say, look, I'm going to buy wind energy certain number of cents or dollars per megawatt hour, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is done so that you remove uncertainty f- from the person who invests into capacity, and so they can be assured of a revenue stream, and they can invest into their capacity and, and, and then sit and collect money for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. So that works um, okay. a little bit, but still this doesn't solve intermittency problems. Mm-hmm. So you're still going to have backup, you're still going to have mm-hmm. uh, kind of a dirty energy sources backing up your renewable energy mm-hmm. sources. So it sounds like ultimately we need storage is 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 really the end game that's going to make it all work. Yes, probably some kind of a combination of energy storage and pooling of various mm-hmm. sources of uh, mm-hmm. renewable energy. Uh, that's ultimately uh, mm-hmm. what we're going to need. Yeah, and and I think uh, again, if we give some kind of incentives to um, generators um, to be less intermittent, to provide electricity in a kind of a more stable way, mm-hmm. then they will probably start uh, investing in in R and D first for uh, for energy storage and ultimately into mm-hmm. energy storage solutions. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate thank it you. Very thank much. you for having me. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.